Uh, the good news about the gospel and, and, and this as well, it doesn't matter how you start. It, it, it matters how you finish. Uh, and my hope and prayer is that we finish this series strong, that uh, in, in, in our lives we finish strong. Like we looked at Galatians, it said too, it didn't matter if you were like a saint when you came to Christ. You had all your ducks in a row, your life was pristine and perfect in your eyes, you know, or you're the greatest heathen that ever existed, you know, born on a bar and drinking from age like one month and, you know, you smoked your first doobie at three months and, uh, you know, you're like the rest of you has been screwed up ever since, you know, married 17 times and, you know, whatever, uh, and you came to Christ, it doesn't matter. That ground is even and equal. And as he takes you from there, he says, it doesn't matter where you start. It matters how you finish. Uh, we're looking at the NHL playoffs are right around the corner. You know, it was a good story. It's not the least so far, but uh, the good story would be the Washington Capitals, who after a quarter of the season, we're in dead last. And yet, uh, looking at them, they're like, we're trading Ovechkin. We're, like, we're, we're just destroying this whole team. And yet, it didn't matter because now that they finish at the top of their division. So I want to encourage you with the same thought, that no matter where you feel like you've started or how down in the dumps you may feel, you can finish strong. And I want to, uh, want to encourage you with that this morning as we look at uh, Galatians. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6 or scroll there on your uh, new Blackberry. I bet you there's an app for that. Uh, it, would be, uh, it would be good. Galatians chapter 6 verse 11. Uh, last night I preached this message and it was 45 minutes long. I was like, that's too long. So I hacked half of it out and we're going to try again. So uh, you guys don't get the practice round. Galatians, amen to that, right? Galatians 6 verse 11. How are we doing? Oh boy. All right. Here we go. Verse 11. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. So Paul, basically what he's saying is, listen, he, you know, obviously we just now realize that he wasn't actually writing all the rest of the stuff. He had a scribe that he was dictating to uh, who was writing this, but he takes the pen himself and says, listen, I got to make sure that these people in the churches of Galatia understand that what I'm writing is so important. So in our, in our, if we were doing it today, we'd be sending an email of this to somebody and it'd be like, at this point, we'd be like, all right, time to change the font. Bold, underline, italics, 20 font, like make sure they, an exclamation Parks, uh, uh, marks and uh, at the end and then a little smiley face lol but this, this whole this whole thought of listen what I'm saying is really 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 important same thing Paul is saying to the Galatian churches everything I've said please understand that he, coming straight from me this is really really important don't forget uh, what you've just learned in the last um, four or five chapters of this book my, my thought, too, today is to try and summarize the whole book, that we would look back and say, let's not forget what we learned from January 1st right up until this point. And I want to do that this morning, try and summarize this whole book by using these three, uh, three chairs or three versions of, uh, of chairs, uh, because I believe they represent belief systems in our life. I believe they, they represent some of the things that Galatians has talked about. Uh, one, one of these chairs, I, I also believe that every one of us is sitting in one of those chairs. You may not know which one it is. You're like, no, I'm sitting in a great chair. You know, I'm not, I'm not up there. I, work with me a little. I didn't have enough lazy boys to put them out here for, for, all, uh, for all of you. But in, in, in our lives and in our belief systems, we're sitting in one of these three places. My heart and, and challenge for you this morning is that by the end of today, you would know exactly which chair you're sitting in. That Holy Spirit would speak that into your heart and you would know this is where, I, this is where I'm at in this thing called Christianity, in this walk with Jesus Christ uh, and where, where I'm really at. The good news is if you're like, hey man, I don't like the chair I ended up on. The good news for you is that you can change chairs. That's the amazing part uh, of the gospel. So, you know, when you, when you think about a chair, you know, it takes some, uh, takes some faith and some trust just to sit in a chair to begin with. You know, most of you, you, you exhibited faith this morning simply by sitting down. 
You didn't check the chair, you know, lift it up. Like, make sure all those legs are, yep, there's four legs. Well, that one's sturdy, that one's sturdy. Okay, there's a hook there. I'm not going to get hurt. All right. Oh, it held me. You didn't do that. You just were like, yep, all right. You sat down because what you believe that this thing uh, would hold you. You had just no problem sitting down thinking and knowing that that was going to hold you up. But what I want to I challenge you for a moment this morning to think is that sometimes everything is not always at its, as it seems. The chair you might be sitting in up here, one of these three, may not be what it appears to be for you. I got a little video here of, uh, that I want to show you too that just uh, kind of shows, shows that thought. Things are not always as they seem. <clears throat> Things are not always... Not always as they seem. You think, you know, you're going to go sit down and it's just going to be a massage chair and then that happens. It's funny because it's uh, not you. But you know what? Uh, some of those things, sometimes in life, things appear to be a certain way and they actually aren't. Uh, this week, hunting season opened for turkey hunting, I've, I've, so I've heard. Uh, we had uh, one young gent here uh, went out hunting on the first morning and uh, he had went out early and set up his decoy and he was out there and he kind of must have fell asleep or something. But then when he woke up, all of a sudden he saw this, this huge tom turkey, the biggest one of the season, right there, right by his decoy. And uh, so he gets his gun, he lines up, he's like, yeah, perfect, going to shoot that shoot that bird and takes a shot and boom hits the turkey and the other one flies away the good news is it was a headshot so uh sometimes you know it's not quite as it appears when uh when you're thinking hey this is uh obviously not the not the bird that he wanted to hit so um it's much better if things go as, uh, as, as you expect them to be. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm, I'm in a little trouble. I know it now. Um, just uh, don't go to Bob and Lori's for Thanksgiving dinner this year and you'll be fine. It's uh, a little chewy. Um, things that happen not as, they, not as they appear. You know, it's funny when it's somebody else. It's not funny when it's us. It's funny when it's a turkey or when it's a, a chair. It's not funny when it has eternal consequence. It's not funny when, you know, the thing that, let's say you've said, I'm doing this thing called Christianity. I'm spending my weekends in church. I'm believing, you know, this certain thing. Paul had said to the Galatian church, don't be deceived. He says there's only one gospel. And the whole idea of being deceived is that you believe something's true when in reality it's not. You believe that that's the real turkey when in reality it's not. You believe that sitting in that chair is, is reality. You believe that the, what you believe about Christ is going to save you in the end. And the, the, the horrible reality would be that at the end of your life you find out you were deceived. I, I, as, a, as a pastor, as a, as a believer, I, my, my heart has been that I can't allow that to happen in our church. That to, for us to understand, and with what I see with Paul in his, his message to the Galatians was the same thought. Don't be deceived. There is only one good news. There's only one thing. And unless your trust and your faith and your belief is in that, you're going to be sitting in a chair that doesn't save you. John 10.10 10 says that uh, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, that you would have it to the full. That there wouldn't be this emptiness on the inside. Because, you know, ever since time began, there's been this, this idea of emptiness. Back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they had everything. God said, hey, Adam, here you go. All you got to do is take care of the whole garden. You know, here's a, here's a woman to do this with, this share life with. You guys got everything. And yet the enemy comes and says to them, hey, you know what? The, the, the lie of God must be withholding something from you because he's not going to let you eat from that tree. That tree must be, you know, the, the ultimate end to your joy and your fulfillment. And they look at it and go, yeah, you're right. Maybe we're missing out on something, even though they had it all. 
The, the, the enemy would try and talk them out of the idea of relationship with God, you know, the, the way it was designed to be living fullness of life with the, with the lie saying there's just a little bit, a little bit more. And Galatians says that that still happens. You know, that they, uh, as we go through life, we realize the Galatian church had it. You fast forward a couple thousand years, we realize around us today, there are people trying to fill emptiness in life with something. There's that thought of, you know, um, uh, finding their own happiness, finding their their own joy, finding purpose, trying to do all kinds of things to find that. We see that all the time. You know, the tragic thing is we see Christians, followers of Jesus, who we believe to be followers of Jesus, doing the same thing. That they would have that spot to have fullness of life, and yet there's still an emptiness. There's still something inside that just, that, that just doesn't feel fulfilled. And Paul said it to the Corinthian church, another church that he wrote a letter to. He, uh, in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 3, he says, But I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. He said, hey, this whole thing about following Christ is simple. It's not difficult. It's not meant to be really hard. It wasn't meant to be this, this a whole lot of work for you. That's not what it was. It was just a simple relationship with Jesus Christ. And anything other than that is not what the gospel is. Uh, the truth is that we can't have fullness of life without Jesus Christ. We really can't. You can have a good marriage without Jesus, but you'll never understand what the fullness of two lives being connected and, and joined together uh, with the purpose of of uh, the, having a mingling of souls, you're not going to find that without Jesus Christ. You, you can't. You might be a good parent uh, without Jesus. You might be able to raise your kids to, you know, be morally uh, upright and do the right things, but you're not going to be able to raise them with a heart that is uh, delights in obedience and following Christ. You cannot do that. There's the things that says the fullness of Christ in our life, it comes from uh, knowing Jesus. He, that's why he said, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. You can't have it without them. There was um, anything we try and fill our lives with will always leave us thirsty. It will always leave us thirsting for something more, even if it's good stuff. And that's what Paul was trying to say because what had happened with the Galatian church is they had the truth. They had had the good news that, hey, this relationship with Jesus is what it's all about. And somebody came in after to try and talk them out of that, out of that seat and say, listen, you've got to do a few more things. You've got to do a, a couple more things this way and this way. Or, or the other side of the thought was, hey, you know, you're so forgiven. You can just do whatever you want. And in the end, it's all going to work out anyways. And so what I, what I want to encourage you with is the thought of, you know, this center chair just represents the gospel. Right here, where Jesus said relationship with him. If you're sitting in this chair, relationship and your, your faith sounds something like this. That in each and every day, your uh, acceptance is just because you're his kid. Your value in life is not on your job or anything else. It's just because you're his kid. That your goals in life are to please him. That it's, there's purpose uh, behind that. That on the inside, it's like, God, this relationship with you is what fills and, and, uh, and motivates my life. You know, he said Jesus sat at a well once and talked with a lady. And she was a Samaritan. She had been married like five times or something. She's living with a guy who wasn't her husband. And she's talking to Jesus. And uh, he had said to her, if you just, you know, he said, I, I want a drink of water. And she's like, well, you know, uh, why are you asking me for a drink? We don't talk, you know. And uh, Jesus said, I'm asking you because I want you to ask me. He's prompting in her to ask that question because he says to her in, in uh, verse 14, he says, those who drink the water that I give, they never get thirsty again. What happens is that water becomes like a bubbling, uh, he calls it a, a bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. 
We looked at that last week about sowing to the flesh and sowing to the Spirit. You sow to the Spirit, you get life. By living by Holy Spirit, you get life. It's not like it's this very difficult thing to do. But the, the, the sad reality is this isn't the only chair that, that Christians or, or followers of Christ can find themselves sitting in. That's what I wanted to talk about uh, this morning. Um, chapter 6, verse 12. I'm going to throw it up on the screen here. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised, they want you to look good. Uh, they want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the, Christ, uh, the cross of Christ alone can save you know, they got a fear base. This is what we realize. The guys who are, who are trying to change the gospel would be the people who would speak to you and say, it's got to be something more. But the thing is, they only want, they only want to look good in front of other people. It, it has nothing to do with um, the fact that you're actually going to grow in Christ. See, the, the people who, who believe this, that it's got to be something more, they have such a hard time with the fact of what the cross means. They're like, it cannot be that simple. Seriously, it cannot, it cannot be that, that somebody who died on a cross for me, you know, took my sin uh, for me, and I can just believe in him, and then it's all going to be washed away? No, it cannot be that simple. You have no idea how bad of a person I am. It, that just doesn't work. And so it's offensive to them. Because they, they, they not only think about themselves, they begin to think about others. They're like, wait a second. You know, if, if, if that's the truth, then that schmuck over there who is like, you know, I know all the bad stuff they're doing. If they ask Jesus Christ... To, uh, if they believe in him, they're going to be forgiven? Well, that, that doesn't work. You know, at the criminal on the cross, when, uh, when Jesus was crucified, the criminals hanging on the cross, and we've talked about it before, that probably around that cross was all the family members of the people that he had murdered. The moms and dads of the daughter that he maybe had raped is right, are right there watching him finally getting justice because he's being crucified. And he, he has the, the audacity to say, Jesus, I believe you're the Messiah. Will you save me? And they hear the conversation where Jesus says, yes, today you'll be saved. And they're like, what? Justice is not served. How, how is this possible? You can't, t- you can't say things like that because it's, it's, good, it's, it's offensive to what people would believe. How is that possible? And because of that, we have a hard time forgiving other people because we, we don't understand what we've, been, what we've been forgiven. The Bible just talks about in Matthew that, that uh, the, the message of the cross, the whole idea of that, it sounds like foolishness to people who are, who are not saved. So for you, if you think, hey, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't really seem right, I, I would challenge you to think about the thought of where you might actually be sitting today. Because it says to those who, under, to, who believe that, to them it's the power of God. The people that, that believe that are sitting in, in this chair right here. They feel like that, that it's like a balancing act. That they can earn God's approval. You know, they're, they're, they're going to help God out a little bit. It's, like, it's kind of like a circus act. It's like, look what I can do. Look what I can do. You know, and the whole focus is on, is on me. What, what, can I, what can I do? And, and the thought is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to earn some approval from God by how I do. If I can just balance this, if I can just not swear this, this week, he's going to look, oh man. If, if I can just not, just not look at pornography this week, I'm going to be, oh man. If I, if I can just stay away from, uh, from that person or that alcohol or whatever it is this week. And you know when you're doing it, you feel good. It feels like, yeah, I'm actually accomplishing something. And yet when you tip and when you crash, the guilt and the shame just wrecks you. The enemy would try and say that, you know, Jesus' name is on that. Yeah, you're, you're desiring to follow Christ. He says it's not really what the gospel is all about. The people who sit in this chair believe that God 
cannot or will not forgive and accept them just the way they are based on what Jesus did on the cross. They, they don't believe that, that he actually, what he did was enough. They figure they got to do some stuff and try and help him. Or they feel like, I, I've been way too bad. There's no way that he can cover all of it. Maybe 90%, but I'm going to help him with that last little bit. People who sit in this chair, you believe that outward actions is what, really, is what God's really all about. You'd be sitting here today and looking, going, hey, Mark's got holes in his jeans in church. <sighs> Doesn't that kid know? I mean, seriously, he's supposed to dress up and be our best for God. You're consumed with the things in your life that are just external. For some, it's gaining different things that are external. For some things, it's you. It's that whole idea of, I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to really do it. I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to deal with that thing. You know, whatever it takes to do it, I'll do 12 steps. I'll do whatever it is. But it's all about that external thing. I'm not going to do those activities because it's the actions on the outside that really matter most. It's, it's what you believe, whether you would say it or not. And what happens in your life in this chair, you become consumed with doing things rather than just being his kid. You have such a difficult time with realizing that just because everything on the outside isn't cleaned up yet, that, that God loves you just the way you are. You have a hard time accepting that if you're sitting in this chair called legalism. See, the danger with this chair, the danger with being in that seat is that you actually look like you have it together. You can actually get really good at balancing you can get really good at knowing where you're supposed to be on Sunday mornings. You get good at speaking a language called Christianese. You know how to use words like bless and the gospel and, uh, you know, church. And you, you got really good at that. Uh, you, you give in the offering even sometimes. And yet, down in your heart, there's nothing been transformed. The relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't, don't really know what that is. But you, you've got the actions all together. You may have everyone fooled around you, including your spouse, including your family, but maybe even yourself. But you never have God fooled. That's what he said. And my heart this morning is that if Holy Spirit is pounding that in your heart, that you would re realize that, that this is not the seat that, that uh, he designed for you to be sitting in. And if you are, then you're believing a lie of the enemy. Because legalism will never bring freedom in your life. Getting all the stuff fixed on the outside will never bring the freedom. It, you cannot fix yourself enough to impress God. That's why he sent Jesus to die for you. Galatians 6 verse 13 love this thought. It says this, that, uh, and even those who advocate circumcision, the people are telling you this, that you gotta, you know, you gotta shape up, you gotta smarten up, you gotta do this better. They don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. What's it basically saying? He's saying, hey, these guys who keep saying this is the way, you know, as long as at religious acts and all this kind of stuff, if you do that, you're, you're gonna be good with God. It doesn't even work for them. He says, the only proof you need to know that it's not possible is look at them. They can't do it. They cannot do it. So anybody who wants to try and put that on you, it doesn't work for them. And guess what? That, that gospel, that good news doesn't bring significance in their life because they need converts to make them feel uh, uh, special about who they are. They need other people to, um, to become, um, uh, to follow them so that they know. And you know what the danger is that? That's as church is what happens. People just become numbers. It's just about how many people can we get into this place because how good does that make us look? You know, is Kingsway the fastest growing church in Balmoral or the fastest growing church in, uh, you know, what? well, greater Balmoral, whatever it might be. It, it doesn't matter. People become numbers. And, and as we grow, my heart is in the, in the fact that we would stay true to what the good news is, that we love God, we love people, we love life. Verse 14 says this, As for me, may I never boast about anything. May I never boast about anything. May I never boast because I have nothing to boast in other than what God has done in my life. Everything that's good in my life, it's because of Him. You know, your spirituality, it's, you only have that because of Him. 
the thing is, he says that, um, that we would never be able to boast in anything but the cross. I love that. He says, you can boast, but it's boasting in the cross and what Jesus did. Boasting in the fact that I did nothing, he did everything, and I benefit from it. I am saved and free because of it. It says that, that the, the interesting thought is because of the cross, my interest in the world is no longer. My interest in the world is no longer, and its interest in me is no longer. That seat is this one right here. Chair number two, where the world is no longer my goal. Oh, nice. This, this chair would say if you're sitting here, you believe some things. You believe some things about the gospel if you're sitting here. You, you believe, whether you would say it or not, you believe that you're better at being God in your life than he is. I said, Mark, I would never say that. I know, but we would act that way. When there's still those longings in our heart for, for what the world says is going to bring joy and, and, uh, and happiness in our life. We take responsibility for filling the, the void in our life. And what happens, we try and find significance, joy, that, that fulfillment and inner purpose in our life. But we try and find it in other things other than Jesus. Other than relationship with Jesus. So it's, we look for that significance in our job. We look for it in the approval of others. We look for it in our relationships. You know, if our relationships are tanking, our world is tanking because we're so tied up in what they think of us. You know, in, in the accomplishments we have. You know, it, it, we, we value our worth on that. For some, it's your weight. For some, it's your looks. For some, it's sex, parties, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is to the point where you keep going down this road and finding it empty because you're just a, a rotten God for yourself. It leads you to this trying to numb of everything is uh, of everything in your life, and in the end, you still find emptiness. You fill it with everything, and yet you still feel empty. If you sit in this chair, you believe that God is all about taking everything away from you. God's rules seem so heavy-handed. He, you know, he, that book is so outdated. The Bible says things that just don't make sense because it's just going to take away my fun. God, how do you seriously? Do you you, you look at? You, you look at God kind of like Lucy and Charlie Brown. You ever read that, you know, those comics where Lucy holds the football and says, come here, Charlie Brown, you know, kick the football. And he runs to kick him. What does she do every time? She pulls it away and he does some wicked backflip and falls flat on his back. And it's always that thought. And we think that same way. And if you're in this chair, that God is not for your good. He's not for your joy. You know, there's, that, there's the thought that, you know, I'm going to do what I know. And Paul says, don't be deceived because the people who sit here think they can sow to their flesh. They can do the things of the flesh and it's going to, they're not going to reap the consequences because Jesus died for that. You know, I, I can do whatever I want and I'm forgiven. He says, the gospel is not that. This chair is not that. You know, the sad thing about this chair is that people who sit here, they have to believe that God glorifies himself by making his kids miserable. Think, what? Really? Yeah, by deciding to follow Christ and then, you know, and, and not to, you know, be in submission to what he says. It's this thought that, yeah, I'm going to, it'd be like getting married. It'd be like this, you know, getting married saying, you know, I'm going to sign up for a lifelong contract that I cannot get out of and then I'm going to wish for death after that. Sweet death, you know, just take me out of this thing because it's so awful. It's like you, you single girls, you're sitting here going, I can't wait, someday it's going to be so sweet, I'm going to be in the white dress, you know, I'm going to marry that lazy schmuck who's never going to get a job, he's going to stay home, and he's just going to eat dinner that I have to make, and leave dirty laundry beside there, and I just, you know, it's going to be this awful, awful time, and I'll just wait until the day I die, oh, I can't wait to start. 
No, that isn't you? What about you guys? You know, like, hey, man, I just can't wait. Can't wait to get married. Can't wait for the honeymoon. And then after that, I do is just going to turn into I complain about everything you do. You know, and I'm going to bring up all the shortcomings in your life, remind you of how, how lousy of a husband you are for the rest of eternity. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be in this thing, but man, I can't wait till I check out of here and I'm dead. You know, that's what I'm looking forward to. Anybody? No, as you're single, that's not what you're looking forward to. Those aren't the movies that we watch, you know. That's not what we're, what we're all excited about. Because what is it in us? We have this idea of being delighting in somebody, delighting in a relationship with somebody, and being delighted in that somebody uh, actually delights in us because that's in us. God put it in us that this relationship with Christ would be something we'd be excited about. Uh, Psalm chapter 37 verse 4 says, Delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And that's, that's that idea that, of, that we would have an excitement about it. And some, for some of you, your, your Christian life is like, man, you know what? I, sheesh, you know, I know that that's the right thing to do. No, you know, sex before marriage, oh man. It, what does God know really? It's not really going to affect me negatively. You know, uh, getting drunk, you know, it's just having a little fun. It's not really going to affect me. You know, I know better than I do. But you know what the problem is? You will reap you will reap from it. And really what it exposes in your heart is that you don't trust that God knows better for your life than you do. It just shows that there's a, a lack of trust and you find yourself sitting in that seat. You know, like if you are going to do it, I'm going to do it because you know what? I don't want him to judge me. He's got cancer. You know, he could, he could smoke me with cancer or something else if I, if I don't follow the rules. You find yourself sitting in that chair called license. And Paul talked about these two things and they may seem as polar opposites, but they're both based on the same thing. We don't trust that what God said is actually true. Galatians 6 verse 14, we'll finish it up. Verse 15, it doesn't matter uh, whether we have been circumcised or not. It doesn't matter whether we're following a set of rules or if we're not following them. It says what matters is have we been transformed into a new creation? Have we been transformed on the inside? You know, that's, uh, if you try and keep the weight of the law, try the balancing act, it will crush you. You'll never be able to keep all of it. You'll never be able to impress God. So, so, you know, he's saying to stop. Verse 16 says, May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. May God's peace and mercy. Oh, I love those terms. Peace is something we search for in our lives. Peace with God, peace with others. Just a peace on the inside that we're not running after something uh, greater all the time. But the word mercy is a really cool one. Because that word mercy, one of the translations of that is changing the subject. That God's saying to you, he's like, when you're coming and you're always like, man, God, you know, I did this this week, I did this this week, I did this this week. And you're looking at that, looking at that. He says, stop, just look at what I did. Oh, no, God, but I did this and I did this and I swore and I did this. He's like, stop, look at what I did. He says, I died on the cross to take care of all that. Just come, have a relationship with me. There's a greater power than justice. There's a greater power than justice. It's called grace and called forgiveness. You see it all through the Bible. There's a man named Abraham. We look at him as the father of faith because we know him after the fact. But before, if you knew him, you would have said, man, that guy's a liar and a doubter. He didn't trust God at all. And yet, what does God say? That he was made righteous by faith. It wasn't by the actions that he did or anything. Just by believing God at his word. You know, David, we look at David. He's a murdering adulterer. The guy's like, you know, you might be thinking, man, I got bad stuff going on in my life. Maybe you got adultery in your life, but I'm going to bet here that none of you got murdered because you, you shouldn't be sitting here if you did. So David's got it worse than you. And what does it say about David? That he's a man after God's own heart. God said that about David. Why? Because even though he was fumbling his way through, he was in pursuit of God. Didn't have it all together, but God makes that up. That's the thought that he's saying for you, that you would pursue the relationship with him. And out of that, he would transform your heart and your life. Paul, the guy who wrote the book to Galatians, he murdered the real children of God. He murdered the people who had finally said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And he's like, that's it, dead, boom, gone, done. 
And yet, it's even this guy, God's grace and his mercy says it, it forgive, forgave him. And what does he say in Ephesians? He says that I've been saved by grace through faith. And even the faith was not of myself. It was the gift of God, not of any works that I could do, lest I should boast. Because I'm not going to boast in anything. But in the cross of Christ, he says those who live by this principle, those who continue to walk, keep walking and believing in the gospel, See, the gospel just seems so simple. How can it possibly be so simple? This chair doesn't look like anything exciting. It's four legs, it's some brown pleather. You know, that's not even real. It doesn't do any cool things. It doesn't have any hooks. It's just simple. But what does it do? It holds you. Sometimes we think this thing's going to be so much greater, and because of that, we miss out on what it really is. And what the Bible would say to you if you believe that, you know, just trusting in Jesus Christ. You don't have it all together, but you're trusting Him. You're looking to Him. You're keeping your eyes set on Him. You're sitting in this chair. But I want to tell you that every day there'll be an enemy, the same enemy in the garden who sits here and will try and talk you out of this chair and into one of those. My heart for us, Kingsway, is that we, as we have studied this, that the gospel has become so clear to us that in our hearts nothing will ever talk us out of the simplicity that is and just in relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the answer the world needs. That's the life that they need. It's the life that we need. And that it would bubble out from our souls. Paul finishes it by uh, just those last two verses, Galatians 6, 17 and 18. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. For I bear in my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit. Amen. He says, I've said it straight. (laughs) I spent five, six chapters now putting it in place to say there's only one gospel truth. Which chair are you sitting in? Because there's other two that look like good news. They look like Christianity. They look like the gospel, but they don't save. You know, back in the day when you go to a concert or maybe even go to church, you leave something on a seat to save your seat. You know, maybe you leave your glasses there from last week so that when you come back, nobody's going to sit in your seat and saved. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all about that. My question is not today, you know, what seat are you saving? My question to you is, is your seat saving you? Is the seat you're sitting in saving you? You know, just by sitting here this morning in these seats, that's not saving you. Because it's not based on our actions. It's not based on the fact that we just simply go to church. That seat does not save you. You know, the great deceit would be that we believed that, you know, we had it all together in the end. We didn't. Um, it says this, that, it, that um, if you were baptized into a denomination, that doesn't save you. The power of, of salvation is simply in believing trusting 100%, keeping your eyes on Jesus and the work of his cross. So my questions for you today are these. Are you tired? Are you find yourself in this place and you're tired of the balancing act? You're tired of going through this cycle of I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I've got this thing covered, I'm going to fix that part of my life and crash every time you can't. And you feel like oh God must hate me, I can't believe it. God forgive me and he forgives you and then you start it all over again. Are you tired of this spot? Are you tired of trying to balance the gospel offers you freedom from living that life. Maybe you find yourself here and you say, man, I've tried to fill my life with everything. I keep, you know, I realize Jesus is going to forgive me, but I still have this just gnawing sense of emptiness in my heart. The gospel says that you can be free from that. It's simply in this trusting, trusting in Jesus, but also having relationship with him. It's not saying, oh, I just trust Jesus so I can do whatever I want. It's having relationship with Christ that becomes the focus of your everyday. And my last thought is, are you willing to simply trust that what Jesus did on the cross was enough for you? Same way that I explained about sitting in the chair at the beginning is the same way we close today. Faith is this. Faith is saying, Jesus, I take my life. I take it from wherever it was 
You know, the, 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 only, the only good thing that I can do in being in control of my life is to hand that over to you. That I'll look at this thing called the gospel that, that just sounds so simple. That sounds like, man, I, I don't really know that the fact that I can just have a relationship with you because of everything you've done, not because of what I've done. That I would trust you, Jesus, that the sin I committed this morning, you've washed it away. That I can come here this morning and just worship you from my heart and connect with you. God, that you're going to speak to me. That I would delight in reading your word because I know I want to grow in learning from you. That I'll keep setting my eyes on you every day and sowing the seeds of the gospel in my heart. And that out of that, God, you're going to transform my heart. That I don't need to compare myself with anybody else except for I used to be there, but now I'm here. And I know that someday I'm going to look back and go, I was here, but now I'm there because this is what you're doing to me. And I can have relationships with other people and say, God, okay, I'm going to trust I'm actually going to trust that and to say I'm going to sit in that seat. This morning, my question is, I, I can see you sitting in these seats, but I, I, I don't know what's going on in here. I don't. I don't know you, but Holy Spirit does. My prayer is that he would speak to you so clearly as to which of these three seats you're actually sitting in this morning. And that you would take that and say, wow, God is really speaking to me because it ain't Mark. And to say, okay, I know what seat I'm in. And and, and to take the opportunity, the offer on the table today is this, that you can be sitting in this seat simply by trusting and believing Jesus and continuing to live that way. Would you take him up on his offer this morning? Let's pray, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this, this amazing uh, uh, book that you've given us. Thank you for this book of Galatians that just explains the gospel so clearly, what you've done for us. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for giving me the chance to live and for, for freedom. Holy Spirit, thanks for coming inside of me and, and bubbling up life on the inside. Father, I pray that for every person in this place. God, I, I believe I've done what you've asked me to do. I pray, Holy Spirit, you take it from here, that you would uh, just illuminate on the inside of every person here where their heart really is at. God, and then I ask that you just give them that, that, that courage to, to believe or that, uh, that just continue to sow the seeds in there. They would believe your gospel, believe in you, Jesus, and out of that, find salvation. God, I thank you for your saving power in this place this morning. <laughs> I just believe again that today may be like that song, that today is the greatest day in history for them, that their sin is recognized as being washed away. Father, I thank you... Uh, that it doesn't end here, that as they leave this place, your spirit goes with them, that you would continue to, to build and work in them, uh, that they may be a blessing to the community and the places where they find themselves this week, that they would shine bright as lights for you with a genuine hope and a life and the good news of your gospel that's free to them and free for them to share. Pray a blessing for that this morning. It's for your amazing name.